Welcome to the ChatGPT Report. I'm your host, Ryan, and we have a very special guest with us today. Her name is Eve Harrell, and she's an award-winning science writer and consultant in the scientific and medical nonprofit space. Now, she writes about issues at the crossroads of science and society and has been featured in the Washington Post and on MSNBC, NPR, and CNN, just to name a few. And her latest accomplishment is a book called Robots and the People Who Love Them and How Advanced Androids Are Changing Human Society, on sale January 9th. Why don't we hear what Eve has to say about the book and her thoughts on the decade of AI. This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Forget the frustration of picking commerce platforms when you switch your business to Shopify, the global commerce platform that supercharges your selling wherever you sell. With Shopify, you'll harness the same intuitive features, trusted apps, and powerful analytics used by the world's leading brands. Sign up today for your $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash tech, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash tech. Eve, thank you for joining us today. We really appreciate it. Thank you for having me, Ryan. Excellent. Well, we try to keep these interviews within 20 minutes, so why don't we get right to it? The first question is just, why did you decide to write this book? What was the motivation behind it? Well, you know, I've written for many years about cutting-edge medical science, and um, it's it's a passion for me. I, I, I really love it because you know the the improvements and the and the breakthroughs and things that are coming fast and furious now is it just keeps it always interesting so um but when I was working on my last book uh a book called beyond human i um was running into it's it, it, it's main, mainly about medical implants mm-hmm. so I was running into uh you know things in my research that referred to social robots and caregiving robots and i was just so intrigued by that and i it really sparked my my imagination because i'm thinking there could really be some good uses for this sort of technology um you know it can take some burden off of some family caregivers and um improve the life quality of uh, people who are disabled or ill, and even just enrich the, once I got into the research, I realized how much these social robots, they encompass so many things now, you Mm -hmm. know, there's friendship, there's teaching, there's caregiving, there's therapy, Um, and I just saw the uses for this just exploding, and um, I haven't been disillusioned yet, I mean, we're still seeing uh, a lot of uh, you know interesting things coming to market uh, with the robots and um, and the various spheres that they're meant to operate in. Yes, absolutely. I think you mentioned like the medical field specifically too. I mean, especially with uh, the nurse. My, I, I have a couple family members that are nurses, and especially with the nursing shortages, it's it's almost a necessary thing. You know, it's so so true, and I, I think that's one reason why Japan is on the cutting edge of using ro- mm-hmm. caregiving robots now because um, they also have a huge caregiving uh, shortage, and we have a shortage now, which is only going to get worse just because of demographics. So, um, you know, I I think these these ro- these caregiving robots are going to be a godsend. Yep. 
Yep, I would have to agree with that. And uh, I, I did have another question here. When you dig more into the book, you know, you can tell you've at least watched some, if not a lot of sci-fi movies. So some that came to mind were, you know, movies like iRobot, Her, and obviously the obvious one was Terminator. But was there any specific yeah. movie that had a big impact on a chapter you wrote or a specific section in the book? There was a movie that uh, influenced and inspired me throughout the book, and it's an old movie, 2001, Steven Spielberg's AI, AI, Artificial Intelligence, which has a little robotic boy played by this excellent child actor, and the woman who becomes his mother, so to speak, and their attachment and, and how in the end uh, it was rather tragic because I think the young boy uh, was going to be uh, terminated. So And the grief that this woman went through and, you know, of losing that child because that, re- that relationship had become so rich and so powerful in her, um, in her life. And um, that, in- that inspired me a lot. And then, of course, there's Blade Runner. Uh-huh. So. You know, what's not to like about Blade Runner? I mean, you know, the androids are all, you know, extremely interesting. The scenario is very interesting. So, there, you know, it's kind of interesting, Ryan, because in a lot of ways, science fiction often predates uh, technologies that uh, will later, you know, come down the pike. And um, and robots is one of them because, excuse me, there's been a lot of science fiction uh, going way back to the 1950s uh, in, in movies and television um, and all the way back to the 19th century mm-hmm. uh, in literature, in classic literature. So um, it's very interesting. A lot of times the, um, uh, the writers and the artists are ahead of the curve. Yes. Yes, with the imagination, they can they come up with things pretty, pretty out there that end up being true at the end of the day. And I do have to apologize; I was getting a phone call on my other line, so if you hear that in the interview, apologies on my end there. Um, in one in one section particularly, you said, and I quote: "People of all ages quickly develop a need to nurture their robots and be nurtured by them." I view this similar end quote, and I view this similar to how a lot of people view cars, right, and how a machine turns into a friend. Can you just elaborate? a little bit more on that quote well it it plays into our hardwired social and emotional natures um when we see uh you know uh any kind of robot i mean it doesn't even have to be a complicated robot or a, a realistic looking robot according to research um when you see movement when you have eye contact when you can converse back and forth um, it's very seductive. Um, you really, it, it, it literally uh, plays into how your brain works, which is to respond in a way, if something uh, expresses emotion, real or not, you come back at that with, a, with an emotion. Mm-hmm. So people over time, when, when they you know, have these consumer robots in their homes, um, they'll develop very exquisitely fine-tuned relationships with these robots. And the robots will know everything about you. They'll record everything you tell them. Um, they will converse with you in an appropriate-sounding way. They'll serve you in many, many different ways. Um, and it just, it's, 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 it's 
something that we can get addicted to. It's been shown in research that people literally become very, very dependent on these robots very quickly. Yes, and and it, it the the where I'm getting that information from too is I believe it was um what was that chapter three on in your book and you talked about three different types of robots and you know one of them didn't say anything had no emotional reaction and then but it was the fastest but the third one had an emotional reaction told you know the individuals because I I believe it spilled a plate of something it said hey I'm sorry and even though it was I think twice as slow. It's still people preferred that robot because there was an emotional, hey, I didn't mean to, right? And that and that's what connects us to these yeah. things sometimes, just like that. That's true. And, and you know, there's also uh, a lot of uh, studies that show that people don't really want their robots to be perfect because mm-hmm. if they're perfect, they're a little bit threatening. Um, and so they actually warm up to robots. And as you said, have an emotional reaction to a robot that occasionally misfires, you know, that has a, a, some kind of glitch or uh, something goes a little bit awry. And I think that some people find that comforting. I certainly do. I, you know, because it's like we, we're aware of our own fallibility and the prospect of a new species that's actually perfect uh, is a little threatening. So yes, yeah. that, that's a very good point. It, it 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 definitely makes the technology or you know robots human in that regard. And you go, oh, perfect. Like they they make mistakes too. They're they're not a perfect person. So or a perfect. Uh, I even said per- a perfect machine. You know. So <laughs> I'm losing it already there. So and now in another section. You discussed AGI. For those not aware, AGI is artificial general intelligence, which basically meaning AI is able to learn and think like humans. That's a basic definition. And how some experts think, and you mentioned this in the book, that 2040 to 2050 will be, will, will be when AGI is uh, happens. And one even said as early as 2029. But from your own perspective, where do you see it going? Or is this like a prediction from the 30s and 40s, you know, where people thought we'd have flying cars by now? Yes. Yeah. Well, you know, I, I think we kind of need to tap the brakes a little bit here on our expectations. Um, there are incredible breakthroughs coming, you know, out on almost a daily basis. And, um, uh, you know, this is something that I'm sure you're well aware of, but, um, you know, there's, as far as uh, predicting when robots will have consciousness, if or, or when they'll have consciousness, um, you know, is really, uh, it's very controversial in the field. You don't have a consensus among even the, like, most, you know, accomplished experts. And we don't know, but from what I've seen writing this book, and I qualify all this with currently, the word, the word currently, I don't currently see a quantum leap or a qualitative difference in how our robots are operating now. We have, you know, more memory is, you know, being imbued in them. Generative AI is being imbued into them. Um, And these, these are great things and they're, they're helpful and they're useful, but um, you know, if they're going to, I don't know that that's, that's not really artificial general intelligence. Artificial general intelligence is when they can do the things, all the things uh, that human beings can do. Mm-hmm. And so far, that's just not the case. They have a certain type of intelligence. Their strong point is computational intelligence. 
Um, but humans have a whole array of different kinds of intelligence. Um, so, you know, there's something very different going on here. If we're going to get to the point where robots have genuine emotional intelligence, creative intelligence, moral intelligence, and the various other types of intelligence that we humans have, um, I don't see that happening now. And, you know, I mean, stay tuned because who knows? I, it, you know, things happen. We've been surprised before by technology. Right, right. I, I think you make a good point, too, because, you know, obviously technology can crunch data way faster than a human could. But what does it do with the data? You know, it, 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 a human has to be on the back end of that. Something I say on the show a lot that I, I talk about with our audiences, and I'm, I'm sure I've repeated this basically in every episode, but, you know, people say, oh, AI is going to take your job. My take on it is AI won't take your job, but someone who knows how to use AI will take your job. That That's that's where yeah. I think it is because it is definitely a tool that you can use and really help out with almost every everyday life at work, especially um, if you're in the office. So uh, I, I, I really agree with that. And I also think, you know, people can throw out numbers. I could tell you, hey, 2055 is when AGI will happen. But, you know, are you really going to check on in on me on 2055 and be like, hey, Ryan, you were wrong. <laughs> you, know, you, can, you can just throw out these numbers and, and no one will really double check you. So I, I, I agree with you. I think there's a lot that has to go into to with AGI. But Again, I've been surprised before, but I agree with you on a lot of that. Now, moving on, I loved another quote in the book here, and it's kind of a small paragraph, but I wanted to make sure to touch on it. Um, and I quote this. It starts with a quote, While it's unlikely, in my opinion, that robots will develop a will to physically enslave us all, it's likely that we'll be vulnerable to a subtle form of slavery. And you say extreme dependence on them to do the things for us that we no longer know how to or care to do for ourselves. It may not be the robots we need to fear, but human nature itself, end quote. And I love that quote, and I, I actually go back to another movie, how we talked about that, which is Wally, where you know they relied so much on tech, they forgot to really look around at the world and realize what's going on. Where do you see, right. where do you already see this affecting us already today? Well, um, I think it is. I mean, if you look at, you know, social media, for example, uh, people yes. have, uh, it's been shown and demonstrated that people who use a lot of social media end up becoming uh, more depressed and they, their social skills tend to atrophy. And mm -hmm. that's my fear with these robots, you know, in addition to them basically performing a lot of functions for us, which I'm not so terribly concerned about. It's us depending on them emotionally and as a as a companion uh, and a friend and all the other roles they're going to play to the point where those those robot relationships, because the robots will cater to your every need and do it continuously in a way that no human being could possibly compete with. And I, I it does concern me that it that we could possibly become you know, kind of isolate, more isolated, less social, less connected, um, and just kind of live in our own echo chamber, mm -hmm. which we, a lot of us are, are well on the road to doing that with social media. 
Yes, yes, I would, I would have to agree with that, especially the social media aspect of it, because it's, it, it's very, it's highly addictive as well. I mean, you go back to, it, you get the dopamine hit, and you just want to keep going back to it. So, I definitely would agree yeah. that that is, we're probably already there in that regard, uh, for for that. Something I did want to mention that I do remember hearing something about a something that robots and or a technology ended up not taking over and I thought it was a neat example especially after what we just talked about and it basically was there when you're in a submarine in the military they have a dive there are lights that go on that say hey we're ready to dive everything is closed off you know we're we're ready to go and there's about I think there's over over 20 different lights that have to go on well back in the day I think it was World War II they they had the technology to have it automatically say, hey, we're diving. But instead, because people's lives were at risk, they actually took it off the technological platform of it and said, a human has to click the button, visually look at the lights and say, hey, everything is clear, we're ready to dive. And so I th- I'm trying to think about other things in today's world where it's like, hey, people's lives are at risk, technology is important, but at the same time, I want a human eye on this just to verify. And I kind of think about that with pilots as well, where we have a lot of planes that could probably fly themselves. But if you're in a 300 passenger, you know, Airbus, I don't really, I kind of want a a pilot up front to fly it. So I, I, again, it wasn't a question, but it was more of a, Hey, I I wonder if where we'll go from there, you know? Well, you're so right, Ryan. Um, You know, this is something I also think we need to think about is that um, do we really want to take humans out of the loop when there (laughs) are just major consequences involved with what a robot might do? Mm -hmm. And how autonomous do we want various robots to be? For example, military robots, um, you you know, they're becoming very enabled, um, but so far... Uh, I don't think, uh, in my knowledge, that there is a totally un- autonomous robot being used by the military. But I know people are thinking and talking about this. So mm-hmm. um, it's a big issue. And um, I personally, I, I'm, I'm with you. I think we need to have human for the foreseeable future, we need to have humans in the decision-making loop as far as, you know, any, any kind of function that has a very, uh, you know, large impact or, uh, you know, can can actually have consequences in the real world. Absolutely. And and I'll go ahead and plug the book here as well. In, in chapter nine, she has a chapter called Killing Machines or Combat Buddies. And it, it's, a, it's a solid chapter. So um, Eve does go into a little bit of that as well. Well, I think we have time for one last question. So I thought this was a pretty good one. What is your general prediction for the next 10 years with AI and the major advancements or, or, or let me rephrase that. So, you know, what's your prediction for the next 10 years based off the major AI advancements that's happened in the past year alone? Um, my biggest prediction is that medicine is going to be absolutely revolutionized um, mm-hmm. by AI and robotics. Um, and they're already, you know, doing all kinds of things in, in medicine. There are uh, you know, there's surgery robots, robots that assist in surgery, robots that help with rehabilitation, um, you know, exoskeletons. You've probably seen pictures of some of these exoskeletons that help people with uh, spinal cord injuries to be able to walk again. And, you know, in top of that, just the very data crunching ability 
of AI in medicine, uh, you know, that kind of, in a way, it's invisible to us as consumers, but it's quietly, literally revolutionizing medicine. And, um, and I, I hope that trend continues because mm-hmm. um, it's a real bright spot. And I think it's one of the best uses of AI and robotics that we could hope for in terms of really changing the world, uh, you know, really making life better for a lot of people. So that's kind of what I hope and I, I anticipate that for that trend to continue. Absolutely. I, I love that answer too, because I feel like there are a lot of big technological advances in the past just hundred years. And I, I really do hope like certain diseases like cancer where, you know, our grand or, you know, my grandkids will, will say, well, you know, what, what was cancer? You know, that, that, that type of stuff is where I want to see technology come into play where your kids have no idea what even this, the certain diseases are. So I, I really do love that. Well, Eve, I really appreciate you coming on. Again, everybody, please make sure to check out her book, Robots and the People Who Love Them, on sale January 9th. Eve, I cannot tell you how happy I were that you came on, and thank you again for uh, for uh, just giving your opinions and talking about the book. Thank you so much for having me, Ryan. Absolutely. All right, team, I'll take us out. Have a great weekend, or week and weekend, and we'll catch you later.